Welcome to the Retail Transformation Show with me, Oliver Banks. This is your weekly podcast, delivering you the insight, ideas, and inspiration to successfully change and transform in our ever-evolving world of retail. Enjoy listening. Hi there, and welcome to the Retail Transformation Show. I'm your host, Oliver Banks. I'm a retail transformation specialist and I work with retailers and consumer-facing brands and businesses, helping to drive effective and efficient transformation. From understanding the business challenges to finding the optimal solution and identifying that ideal operating model, through to driving progress and making sure that you've got a culture of change ultimately driving future business performance and fantastic customer experience. If you need to safely navigate your way through the disruptive retail environment and accelerate your change, then we should talk. Find me on LinkedIn or I'll share my contact details in a little bit. But I appreciate you tuning in today. This one is a big one, episode 250. Number 250, a quarter of a thousand, which seems unreal for this little project started back in 2018. But thank you, as always, for tuning in to the podcast. And I appreciate all of you that are sharing it and helping spread the word about the Retail Transformation Show. Please do continue to do this. I appreciate it. And I know your contacts and colleagues will hugely appreciate the opportunity to learn and find out more about the evolving retail market and transformation. So thank you for listening and thank you for recommending. And of course, if you do have a moment and you want to leave a review, particularly if you're an Apple podcast listener, that would be hugely appreciated. Thank you so much in advance. But for episode 250, I've really been thinking and considering about what topic to tackle. And it's a topic that I actually covered on one of my virtual events, Retail Transformation Live. And we actually covered it a little bit on the second and third iterations of that virtual event. So the topic that we're going to dive into today is becoming fit for the future. It's a term I've heard at a few different companies. So I wanted to get into it today with you. Before we do, We know that the world is changing more right now than ever before. That pace of change has accelerated. And we've seen a number of different crisis situations happening to both the retail industry as well as the wider world, impacting politics, supply chains, economies, and of course, customer and customer mindsets. And increasingly, we are finding ourselves as individuals and as companies, we're finding ourselves in situations that we've never experienced before. We're facing disruption on a bigger scale, more frequently as well. And that means that we're facing off against competitors that we've never faced. Perhaps they are competitors that we've never even really considered as competitors. Equally, our old foes, our classic competitors, may have taken a different path. And we have to raise the question, are they even competitors anymore? But in this changing world, it's easy to feel like we're not sure how to respond. We're not sure which way to go. 
because the traditional five-year roadmap and having a linear path and continuing on just doesn't work in the turbulent time that we find ourselves in. And not only do we face a non-linear path that sees twists and turns and pivots, but increasingly there are lots of different paths that we could take. There is no one right answer anymore. Although I'm sure you can appreciate there are plenty of wrong answers. (laughs) Unfortunately, of course. But in this confusing and changing period, We're also discovering more and more contradictions than ever before. You know, for example, we have access to more information, but there are more unknowns than we've ever faced. We're connected to more and more people, but people are feeling a greater disconnection to the wider world. We need to be more focused, but we also need to tackle more topics at any one time. We need to be agile and flexible, but we also need to be resilient. Both consumers and retailers want to be sustainable, but some consumers and some retailers want the opposite. Consumers want to consume a load of cheap products at great prices, and retailers want to drive volume. We need to make big changes, but there is less time to do this. We want to experiment more to discover what works, but there's less room for error in the fragile business environment that we find ourselves in. These contradictions surround us all of the time. Yet, despite all of this confusion, we must be fit for the future, or future fit, depending on which term you like. And this sounds wonderful. It's forward thinking, it's optimistic. You've got some lovely alliteration with the Fs going on there. But what does fit for the future actually mean? And what is it we need to do today to get fit for the future? So I wanted to give you five different aspects to consider as you think about your future fitness. More from an organisational point of view, but there are some really obvious translations to consider how you as an individual can become future fit. And if you'd like to reach out and discuss how you or your organisation could become future fit, then email me at oliver.banks at obandco.uk or find me on LinkedIn and send me a message. I'm going to pop those details on the show notes page today, which you can find at obandco.uk slash 250. That's ob slash 250. So the five elements to become fit for the future starts with getting clarity of your customer. And this really starts with understanding who your customers are and who they're not. And think not just about demographics here, but consider attitudes and behaviors. Consider the types of mission that your customers are on. What are they trying to achieve? What's their broader purpose? Because unfortunately, your brand, your business is not the most important thing to your customer. In fact, it's probably far, far, far down their list of overall priorities, right? But what's not down their list of priorities are their own aspirations, their own fears, their goals, their wishes their challenges. And if you can help 
your customer to solve those challenges or to realize those goals and wishes, then suddenly your brand by association becomes much more important to that customer and you build that real emotional demand and loyalty. And think not just of your current customers, but also just consider who would your ideal customers be. And with this understanding, you can actually use it across the organization to really begin to tailor the propositions, the products, the operating model, and the broad business towards that ideal customer. Also, as you're getting clarity of customer, really consider their wants and their needs. Now, this sounds really basic, (laughs) as does understanding who your customer is. But it's a challenge that businesses stumble against over and over, largely through making some assumptions. So be careful there, but also because consumers are changing, they're evolving. So understand what are the needs of your customer? What is the absolute bare minimum that you need to be going into in terms of proposition, operating model and so on? And then what are the wants? What are the proverbial cherries on the cake that you can begin to offer that set you apart? What would a customer really value, but not expect? This is a great exercise and definitely one that you want to actually speak to your customers about, as well as engage your wider colleagues across the business. And with this understanding of who your customers are and what they're wanting and needing, and of course, what that broader purpose is, what their priorities are in life, you can then consider how do you serve them? Consider how you're serving them right now and how you'd want to serve them, or rather, how your customers would want you to serve them. And this is the mindset that you need to get into, thinking like your customer. There is no exact behavior to follow. And this is one of the aspects that I love about retail. There is no one right answer. And what works for one company will not necessarily work for another company. And so actually, as you become more customer-minded as an individual and as an organization, you can reflect on your past actions as well as your performance. You could consider what your customers would decide or say if they were sitting in a transformation project meeting, a board meeting, a strategy session, whatever. You know, if you had a panel of customers sitting there watching, listening, what would their point of view be? What would they say are the core business challenges? What would they suggest as the way to get fit for the future? Because being fit for the future means that you need to know your customer and you need to know your future customer. And in particular, how you serve their needs and their wants effectively. So that's our first element to become fit for the future. And our second aspect is to consider the uniqueness of your business. The USP or unique selling point is a consideration that is often suggested to small businesses to really think about what sets them apart. I think it's slightly forgotten when it comes to bigger businesses, though. And arguably, a few years ago, uniqueness had been forgotten about as we ended up with carbon copy town centres and high streets, generic feeling stores and all round mediocre retail. So let's start to think about what your unique selling point is. What makes you one of a kind? And here you really need to think about what value you are adding to the output for the customer and what value you are adding to the process along the way. 
And is this value add? Is this something that is protected? Is it something that is exclusive that can only be achieved by your company? You know, maybe you've got an exclusive license. Maybe you've got a patented innovation. Maybe you've got an expert team of product designers, something like that. Is it something that no one else can have? And if not, how can you develop your uniqueness so that you have protected that? How can you build a strategic moat around your business to protect competitors from advancing on your territory? You know, think about the uniqueness of your product. Think about the uniqueness of your proposition and value-added services as well. How unique are your operations? And I'm not just talking about your frontline operations here, but operations across the business, in stores, in fulfillment centers, across your supply chain or your contact centers, in your head office. Think about all of those different processes from commercial functions to HR or people functions through to IT and across all aspects of the business. Following on from that, consider your colleague proposition. What sets you aside as an employer of choice? Why should your colleagues care about working for the brand? And as you consider all of these aspects of uniqueness, what are the strengths and weaknesses of the business? And all of this will help to understand where you fit into the wider world from the customer's point of view. And following on from the point that I made earlier, your competitor set may be changing. And actually, your competitors may not be those direct competitors that you're classically used to competing against. Because being fit for the future means understanding your own unique position and positioning and understanding what the business really excels at. You know, what are you best at and how are you protecting that capability, that skill set, that offering so that no one else can impede on that territory? The third element to become fit for the future is around understanding how the business works. And there are five different aspects to understand how the business works. All five are really closely intertwined and absolutely feed off one another. But let's start with the customer proposition. We've touched on this in our first two points around understanding the clarity of the customer and on the uniqueness of the business. What is the proposition that you are therefore offering that delivers the value add for your customer? It delivers the needs and the wants, and it is something that sets your business aside. In the modern day world of e-commerce, we see so many different competitors. You know, take any given product, tap it into Google. You've got hundreds of different choices to fulfill that particular product need. And as you move into branded items, they become more and more of a commodity where you focus almost exclusively on price. But what is that overall proposition made up of lots of different elements? That's the first part of really understanding how the business works. And secondly, connected to this, like I say, they're all really closely interlinked, is the business model. And for the business model, you need to understand where the value is being added and how profit is being generated at both a macro level for the whole business, as well as considering micro levels. So down to individual product ranges, categories, propositions, perhaps. And understanding this business model is absolutely essential. It helps you to understand the levers that can help to control the business. 
I'm a firm believer that a retail business is like an engine. There are lots of subsections and elements which all need to play together to form the ultimate output. And if these segments aren't aligned, if they're not working effectively, the whole engine coughs and splutters and stalls, right? So understanding the business model, as well as other aspects that we're talking about here in understanding how the business works, really helps you to connect the dots, helps you to connect these elements. What is directly or indirectly connected to other parts? You know, we spoke about price just a moment ago, and price is a great example of a lever. As you push price up or pull it down, it has an effect on the demand. And that in turn has an effect on the overall revenues and profitabilities and margins that you can achieve. Now, that's a really obvious one. And chances are your business is hugely more complex than that. But understanding your business model and where that profit is generated is really crucial. And that's crucial for being fit today, as well as fit for the future, of course. The next element is the operating model. Now, the operating model can take many different forms, but for me, it's about taking the proposition and the business model and bringing them together. How do you run the proposition to deliver the business model, essentially? And a great operating model drives consistency and flexibility. The operating model should be about guiding your colleagues and your business through the day-to-day operations, as well as the week-to-week, month-to-month, arguably even year-to-year operations as well. And it should be really focused on being lean, not carrying the extra weight. If you take the analogy of body fitness, of course, we want to shed those extra pounds to become fit for the future. And the same is absolutely true of your operating model as well. Defining, refining, and optimizing operating models is a topic I'm hugely passionate about. So if you'd like to continue the conversation, then do reach out and find me on LinkedIn, or of course, email me oliver.banks at obandco.uk. And it'd be great to talk operating model shop, so to speak, <laughs> and discover what your thoughts are around operating models as well. Now, the next element to get a great clarity and understanding of how the business works is around the technology architecture. And this really underpins the whole operating model in multiple different ways. What are the different requirements? What are the different sources of aspects like data? Where are you pulling data from? Where are you feeding data back into across that operating model? And there's loads we could go into here because it's, of course, an enormous topic understanding how technology underpins the modern and futuristic retail business. But build versus buy is a really critical decision. And that largely connects to that whole uniqueness point. Because if you are buying a piece of technology that underpins the uniqueness, it wouldn't be beyond the realms of possibility to think that another retail business might also buy the same technology. So consider about where you want to keep that exclusivity, that expertise within the business, as well as how you are tailoring the different customer propositions or that unique operating model to really bring it to life. And then the final point that I wanted to talk about is around the people blueprint, because people make all of this happen, right? Delivering the customer proposition, making the business model a reality, doing the operating model setting up and running the technology architecture. And for a really clear understanding of how the business works, you need clear ownership across the business 
as well as clear collaboration opportunities and a positive culture to reinforce it all. Again, there's loads more that we could dive into. But being fit for the future means being clear on how the business works and how it should run across all aspects. And it also means that you should appreciate where variations and noises can be expected and where you can anticipate and handle a level of randomness versus wait for a crisis situation to occur. And we spoke about the concept of likelihood in a past episode, episode 226, number 226. So do go and check that one out as well. I'll put the links to that episode as well as other episodes on the show notes at obandco.uk slash 250. And by the way, head on over there to sign up for the Retail Transformation Briefing, my weekly email newsletter highlighting key changes from the whole world of retail, pulling in different ideas and innovations, ultimately to inspire you to transform better. You can sign up for the Retail Transformation Briefing for free at obandco.uk slash 250. So we've done three of the five elements to become fit for the future. Getting clarity on your customer, creating uniqueness, and understanding how the business works. Those are aspects to help position both the present day and where you want to get to in the future. And now we need to think about the transformation plan because you need clarity of direction first and foremost. You need to understand where are you heading to and why. Ultimately, you could definitely argue this is your strategy and I'd agree with you. You know, you need to recognize where you are today, where you want to get to and consider how the landscape is changing as you go through that journey. Because, you know, if you lay out a one year, three year, five year, hundred year strategy, whatever, as you get to that point, the world will have changed and moved on. Your competitors will have changed and moved on. Your customers will have changed and moved on. So consider what those changes would be. But get the clarity of direction first and foremost. And like our analogy of becoming body fit, you want to have a target, something to aim for, to know where you're going and why. It will help to drive you. It will help to guide you. And in turn, it will help you to understand and communicate what is changing. So where are you now? Where are you going to get to? And how are you going to get there? And that, of course, must be achievable. And what's really interesting about this right now is, as I was mentioning earlier, there are so many different avenues that you could take, lots of different paths or routes towards your end goal. There is not one linear path anymore. And therefore, prioritization of your transformation plan is absolutely crucial. With loads of opportunities, you need to decide which one is most important. And you need to respect that there are continually new distractions as well. And how are you going to avoid your prioritization and your priorities flip-flopping all the time? And essentially, you know, I'm drawing the analogy of a route or a journey here. You're standing at the crossroads and you can't decide which route to take. You go down one path and then you turn back. You go down another path and then you turn back. You never get anywhere, right? However, during this journey, it's highly likely that you're not sitting at a crossroads with clearly defined paths to follow, unfortunately. So there is going to be an aspect of exploration and experimentation to learn, to find the way. And this is especially crucial as you face a disruptive and ever-changing world. 
you cannot fear failure. You cannot fear the idea of exploring and experimenting and it not working because otherwise you'll be the proverbial rabbit in the headlights, right? You'll never get anywhere. But the world does change. So we need to continue to be adaptable and flexible in our transformation plans as well. We used to have this analogy of turning the tanker. Lots of analogies today, right? <laughs> Sorry about that if it's getting a bit woolly and crazy. But, um, you know, we used to have this analogy of changing a big business would be like turning the tanker. And I particularly am reflecting back on a great episode with EY's Trevelyan Collier. And he took the analogy one step further. He said, we're not looking to turn the tanker anymore because we're not in a tanker. It's a flotilla of ships now rather than one big ship. And so what we need to think about is how do you guide and align the whole flotilla? And I'm sure there's some naval terms, but please do educate me if you are more seafaring than I am. <laughs> so do go and check that episode out with Trevelyan Collier. That's episode 235. Like I say, I'll put the link to that on the show notes as well. And navigating the way through this transformation along this journey can be difficult. And that's why I've launched fairly recently Navigator Services to help act as an advisor and a coach to you and key leaders in your organization. The Navigator Services help you to understand the current challenges in your business and help to find that optimum path going forward to guide you as you explore and experiment, to guide you to avoid the obstacles and work effectively. It's the opportunity to add in transformation expertise and fresh eyes with exposure to the entire retail landscape and working directly with me as an independent advisor. And so if you'd like to reach out and discuss how you can learn to navigate disruption and transformation more effectively and work together to drive your transformation forwards, then do reach out. My email is oliver.banks at obandco.uk. So our fourth aspect of becoming fit for the future is having the transformation plan because being fit for the future means understanding your goal and laying out that proverbial fitness regime to get there, knowing what the exercises are, knowing the reasonable timeframes and knowing what it's going to take. What are you going to need to invest to achieve that level of future fitness? And what are the different techniques that you're going to need to build those proverbial muscles for the future? And then our fifth and final element to become fit for the future is around mindset and having a positive and strong mindset, both for you as an individual, as well as the wider organization. Again, this is a massive topic that we're going to cover in just a few minutes because there are elements of mindset that are really important right now. Things like adaptability and flexibility, agility. And I'm reminded here of the episode with Lawrence Bonemma, episode 116, where Lawrence said of Agile, it's about having common sense with an uncommon level of discipline. And that's a saying that has really stuck with me for quite a long time now. You need to be thinking about how you can have a responsive mindset. This is about speed and connected to agility. You know, if we're talking about body fitness, we'd be talking about straight line speed as well as acceleration to get going and how quickly you can turn corners. You need to have a collaborative mindset because you are going to need to work together. This is a team game. 
I'm sure you've heard that saying, if you want to go fast, go alone. If you want to go far, go together. Well, turns out the future is really far. (laughs) So definitely go together. You know, work as a coherent unit. That's expected, of course. But as you already know, it also presents plenty of challenges. But consider, how are you going to create a next level collaborative organisation? What would that mean? How are you going to collaborate with your customers, with your colleagues across all parts of the business, with your peers? How are you going to collaborate with your suppliers, with your partners, with the wider world? Endurance is another key mindset. Again, picking up that analogy of body fitness as well. You're able to keep going. You're able to push through that tiredness barrier, but also recognizing that you need to avoid burnout and allowing some time for recovery to get back to regular performance after a challenging period. And then the fifth and final mindset is about how to empower people, teams and individuals. How are you going to create an environment that gives people confidence and courage? How are you going to encourage people to take responsibility and act in the face of uncertainty? How are you going to do that yourself? How do you empower yourself? Because being fit for the future means that you need to be fit in both body and mind, in both tangible and intangible aspects. Metrics and KPIs, whether it be about financial topics, customer considerations, operational factors, all of these different KPIs or metrics are tangible. They can help you to prove that you are being fit in body. But how are you going to monitor and measure how you are keeping your mind fit, both at a personal level and at an organizational level? So those are our five aspects of becoming fit for the future getting clarity on your customer, creating uniqueness, understanding how the business works, defining and delivering the transformation plan, and having a winning mindset. Because being fit for the future means being fit starting today. And so what are the different aspects inspired by what you've heard today or inspired by the different challenges that you know exist within your organization? What are those different aspects that you need to really focus in on to become fit for the future? And what is your transformation plan to navigate the disruption, to build future muscles and mindset? I'd love to hear from you on this one. I always love hearing your thoughts and your feedback and your questions. So do feel free to reach out. I'll put my email on the show notes at obandco.uk slash 250. I'm also going to put some additional episodes to check out. We've touched on three episodes today, just very quickly. Episode 226 called Knowing What's Likely to Happen, exploring how you can introduce likelihood and the concept of probability into your organization. In episode 235, I caught up with EY's Trevelli and Collier. and We were talking about profit warnings and transformation, a really interesting discussion. And then finally, in episode 116, Lawrence Bonemma joined to help us understand Agile. So three episodes there. I'm going to put those plus a few extras, which I think you're going to love listening to. So head over to obandco.uk slash 
250, that's 250. And do check through the archives as well. There's loads of episodes, lots of golden nuggets to discover for sure. And of course, tell your colleagues, tell your peers, your friends, because we are all in this together as a retail industry. That's one of my goals for this podcast, to help us as a community, as an industry, to work together, to share knowledge and ultimately help the entire industry and everyone connected to it to transform better. Thanks so much for tuning in today. Episode 250 is in the can. And thank you for all of your ongoing support. If you're new to the show, hit subscribe in your usual podcast app and check out new episodes every single week. And I'll look forward to joining you for one of those episodes very, very soon. Bye for now.